welcome to Press Church. I'm Sean Hoffman. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you are new with us today, we are so glad that you have joined us. Please connect with us by going to thepresschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on I'm New Link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. Next week is our one year anniversary. We will not be meeting at our campus. Instead, we will be meeting at Noctera Brewing Company. We will have a party after the service with face painting, a game truck, food truck, and more. Press Youth will not be meeting next week. Instead, they will have a Halloween party October 24th at our PAL campus from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Make sure to wear a costume for the contest and bring some candy. The person who brings the most candy gets the pie, Pastor Sean. Not this Sean, but Pastor Sean. Woven, our weekly women's Bible study, will be meeting tomorrow, 7 to 8.30 at our PAL campus. If you are interested in joining, please email Krista Hoffman at cfhoffman at yahoo.com. A new midweek release every Wednesday at noon on our YouTube channel. Join as our pastors dig deep into spiritual questions with each other. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you are visiting a campus in person, there is a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. I'm so glad to be here today. Uh, for those of you who are joining online, welcome. And if you are new with us, uh, thank you so much for being here. We are glad that you're here today. Um, so uh, when I tell people what I do for a living, uh, it's, it's always a fun conversation. Uh, you can imagine, hey, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And I, I, I just love the reactions. It's, it's very telling. Uh, you, you know, you get people, they're like, they don't want to be rude, you know, saying, they're like, oh, that's, that's cool. You know what I mean? It's like really awkward. You're like, yeah, okay. What? And, you know, I'm, we they start talking, and all of a sudden, I don't know what it is. It's like if you say you're a pastor, they just start talking. You know what I mean? They just like, they can't help themselves, and they're all of a sudden like, yeah, you know, when, when I was a kid, I used to go to church. And, I, and they just tell, start telling me their whole like spiritual like history. 
and they're like, yeah, you know, I haven't been to church in a while. You know, I probably should, you know, get back. And, you know, we go through that. I'm like, yeah, you should totally come back. I usually give them my card. And, um, you know, we, I, hey, is there anything I pray for? You know, but it's always funny what they say it, when, when I invite them. They, they always get to this point where like, yeah, I just, I probably have to like fix myself first. I probably, I, I got to, you know, oh man, I, if I walked into a church, I would just burn. You know, I, you get this, this idea. If I walked in, I am just a terrible person. And I'm, I'm thinking, like, if they are saying this to my face, like, what do they actually think of the church? Like, if they're like that, they'd be like, oh, man, I'm terrible. I, there's no way I'd be able to go to a church. Like, what do they actually think about church? And I don't know why. I don't know why my, why my mind went here. But I was thinking about um, dodgeball. Anybody like dodgeball? All the sporty people are like, yeah, I love dodgeball. And then everyone who doesn't like sports is like, I hated dodgeball. They like, think of those times in, in like junior high and high school, and they're like, oh, this is just the worst thing. And I, I, I couldn't help but think, like, dodgeball is a lot like church. Bear with me. <laughs> we like to throw things at people. Um, it, it's like captains picking dodgeball teams, right? You get these two, you get these captains, and what do they do? They pick the biggest, the fastest, the strongest, and then all, like, the weak, like, you know, you got those people who are like, I don't like sports in the corner. Like, please don't pick me. Please don't hit me. But that's what we do. Like, the church has gotten to the point where it's, like, viewed like that. It's like we are the, we're the, the, the little social club that picks the people that we like or want. And those who don't, you know, look right or those who don't meet the standard, yeah, well, they won't make the team, Right? It's like, it's like, you know, the varsity soccer team, you know, you're trying out, and you, you just, you get the best teams. And there is some, I think, truth in the fact that, you know, we like to throw things at people, but anyways. I can't help but think, like, how wrong that is. <laughs> if we just take, take a step back and be like, that's just, that's just wrong. And the unfortunate part is, like, that's, that's kind of how the church is viewed. I, and I, I hate talking about that. Obviously, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so it's like I love the local church. But I think we have to address, you know, if we, if we, are, if we are truly going to do the things that we say we want to do, I think we have to address how we are viewed and how we've missed it. And not in this, like, oh, my gosh, you guys are terrible people. But, like, the church has done some pretty terrible things in the past and even now and still does some terrible things. And if we're not willing to actually just be honest about that, and I think that's I think that's bad. I think that's I don't think that's a good thing. And so we're going to talk a little bit about you know what how does the church act in a way that's maybe weird for a church to act, but is actually in line with what Jesus did and who Jesus was and what he was trying to cultivate in the people around him. How do we do that? Because if we take a step back and ask people, I don't think that the image that what we want to happen or the image that we're trying to do is actually what people think of us. And there's a lot of people, maybe even here, like maybe you're reluctantly in church and you're like, I don't buy all this. Like, I'm here because my spouse made me come. Or I'm here because uh, I told my parents I would come. Or whatever it may be. Maybe you're dragged here. Um, you may be thinking these exact same things. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit today. And as always, if you're new here or if you're watching online for the first time, we get the pastors together. We hop in the car and we start diving into some of these things. So... How does the church address some of these issues? Let's take a look. What's wrong with the church? 
<laughs> what happened? Yeah. You know, if you look at the early church, they were being a reflection of Christ. Right. And it cost them a lot. Mm. But, Sean, I thought it was really interesting how you brought out the Tom Holland piece. Yeah. Yeah. Here's an atheist saying that the biggest impact in the world was, happened through the church because right. things like female empowerment right. that didn't exist right. before Christianity but right. now people think and that, now the church is against women <laughs> yeah, yeah people think now that it, now right, it's yeah. like yeah. you know and so it's like what happened where the early church was so impactful right. and, and did all these things in Christ like reflection and now we're facing a society that thinks we all hate people mm -hmm. and that we don't reflect anything of this Jesus character that we say that we right. love well it's like so the early church made an impact because they lifted up the oppressed, right? They, they, they empowered females, slaves, children, like they, they valued them, mm -hmm. right? And so they, they did that with love. That was different, that was weird. And, and so the difference is, it feels like the church today has flipped that and we're so worried about who's in and who's not, mm -hmm. and yeah. we want to point that out. We're more about protecting our and we, yeah, we, we want to protect instead of lift up right. those around us. Right. Um, where was it? What scripture was it where Jesus got a bunch of people and like picketed against the government? Um, hmm. I think it's Second Opinions, chapter oh, five. Yeah, we okay. covered that one a few weeks ago. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, there was the other one though. No, no, no. I, we're missing it. Uh, there was the other one where uh, Jesus said, make sure that you arm up and have a lot of weaponry oh, right. so that you make <laughs> right. sure that the government doesn't take you down. Yeah. Right. I, I remember that one. <laughs> You're stepping on some toes, CR. Look out. <laughs> hey, I like guns. I got me some guns. <laughs> but... <laughs> yeah, right. I'm all for firearms. Yeah. He did say, do we have any swords? Mm -hmm. And Peter said, well, we have this one. He goes, that's enough. But then he says, don't use it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think we're we're asking the hard questions. We're railing against what has been, yeah. and we're going, hey, you know, there's a problem. Something needs to change. And I think, you know, we hold highly uh, the, you know, orthodox values yeah. of the church, yes. right? And we're going... We're not letting go of that, no. right. but we're going, there. there's a real problem, and the church is not showing love, and we've got to change that. We've got to get in the community, yeah. we've got to be a part of things, and we've got to actually be like Jesus, yeah. right. reflect Jesus. We're never going to be Jesus, because only Jesus was Jesus, right? right? But we can certainly go a lot further in uh, embracing, right. yeah, embracing the community yes. and, and showing reflecting him yeah i'm sure that even some of the things we're talking about some people are like oh wait a minute here are you guys uh going this way right are, are you guys yeah. going left are you guys going right are you guys doing this or that right. i can't associate with you if you're going to do that yeah. it's like man we better transcend that stuff right we got to rise above that stuff right. because it is not about this polarization right. this dichotomy between two earthly ways of operating oh yeah Sometimes we say that, like we, we are against something or we're, because we say we're against it because we love God and God wouldn't be for it. Right. And therefore we can't be for it or even right. condone it in any way, shape or form. Right. So the way to love God is to condemn those people. Right. Which right. is terrible logic. Because when you go to scripture, what did Jesus say? You know, John three sixteen. you were talking about this yesterday, CR, that John three sixteen. God so loved the world that he right. gave his own, you know, but then, then verse 17, he didn't come to condemn yeah. the world. And yet, what is the church doing? We're condemning everything. Right. And that's not being Jesus. Yes. 
preach it, Jason. Sorry, I got a little excited. Hey, you want to do it this week? Go for it. I like this. Jason's fired up. You can do it. Let's go. So we need to get excited. We yeah. need to get excited about being different. Yes. We need to get excited about being more like Jesus, and that's going to bring some challenges. Yes, it is. And, you know, but at the end of the day, that's that's something worth getting excited about. Yeah. Yeah. What does it look like to be weird as a church? Yeah. I'm going to call Jason up. Jason, you want to finish for me? So last week, uh, I laid some foundations for the series. I had three, three little points, that I, and I want to I wanna revisit them real quick. The first one was Jesus is weird. Uh, if you didn't get to watch last week, go watch last week. You may think, that's, that's, what? Jesus is weird? Are you allowed to say that? Jesus is weird, all right? That's our first foundation. The second foundation is we are the church. And then the third foundation is we should be weird, okay? So Jesus is weird. If you look, I mean, born of a virgin, like, said he was God, did all these crazy things, hung out with people he wasn't supposed to. Like, he, he, he was different. He was di- different. Uh, we are the church. The church is not a building. You are the church. We are the church. I gave scripture. We are the body of Christ. And so if we are the body of Christ, if we are representatives of Jesus, then we should be weird. Now, you could thinking, okay, what does weird mean? I was using, if you, if you Google weird, the first thing it says is something, suggesting something supernatural. I think, what better, what better definition of Jesus and, and, and what the church should be? Suggesting something supernatural. So part of this message could be uncomfortable for us today. I don't know if even watching that video, if it's uncomfortable. You, you, may, you may hear something and want to push back on it. And I want to encourage that. Like, if, if we say something and you're like, I don't know how I feel about that, w- let us know. Talk to us. Have a, let's have a conversation. Uh, I think one of the toughest elements of teaching on a Sunday morning, I'm a very conversational person. I would much rather meet with, like, each of you and just have a conversation than, than do this. Because I'm like, oh, nobody cares about what I have to say. I'd rather have a conversation. Because in the conversation, you can, you can work through nuance better. You can work through some of these uh, tensions in a way that, that I can't give you every counterpoint to every point that I have. There's always going to be flaws. There's always going to be holes in something that we say. And so as I work through today, if, if there's something that you're like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that, don't shut down. Don't shut down. Dig into it. Be willing. If, write it down. Email us. We are more than happy to talk through any of this stuff with you. So the first question I have today is, um, what do we think of when we think of the church? Uh, some of us, if we think about the church, it's something we've done for a long time. It's maybe a, a cultural expectation. Something that, you know, when I grew up, I, you know, I went to church with my family. Uh, for some of us, we, we think, well, this is, it's a, it's a good thing. You know, I want to, you know, have discipline in my life and, you know, the basic tenets of what we read in scripture is good. And, you know, I think it's good for me. The Jesus guy, I'm not sure if I really believe in all that, this God thing. Uh, but, you know, church is good, right? So some of you have that. You know, checks that, that, that. That spiritual checkbox for us. You know, I did my, my good deed for the week on Sunday, and, you know, now I can go live my life the rest of the week. But I think, as I said, you know, in, in my opening, I think we need to be honest with, with what's really going on and, and what people really view the church as. And I, I am, I'm not trying to bash the church. I'm not trying to, I, I, I started a church. You know, like, I, I love the local church. I love the idea of believers coming together and loving God together and encouraging each other together. Um, but when I was starting, when we were starting press, I remember talking with CR and Jason, and I said something to them. I said, I don't, I don't want to have anything 
it gets in the way of people receiving the gospel of Jesus. Like, in church, we've had a lot of things that we've, we've let get in the way of being the main focus. And so I'm like, what are the idols of church? What are the things that we have put um, as just the normal thing that actually gets in the way of people hearing the gospel? And I'm like, I just want to get rid of it. And I think the, the frustrating part for me was understanding that even in that, that can, that can almost be unloving. Because uh, here's, the, here's the tough thing about it. There's people in this room that have been following Jesus for a long time. And then there may be people in this room who still haven't even committed their life to Christ, who, who haven't actually acknowledged that he is their savior. And so every week, I'm talking to a wide variety of people. I have pe- you know, people who can watch online. They can pull it up whenever they want from all different walks of life, whatever it may be. And we have to understand that there's, you know, to love a group like that, it's, it's a matter of, hey, how do I take everybody's hand? How do we take hands and say, all right, we're going we're gonna to walk on this journey together? And there's, there's some cultural expectations at church. If, if you guys came in and, and we didn't even have a, a sermon, you'd be like, well, why am I here? Where's, what if we didn't have music in a sermon for a week? Or you'd be like, well, isn't that what church is supposed to be? Well, no, it's an, it's an element of church. It's, it's something that we, we do to, to go through scripture, but it's not in and of itself this like, holy thing. We could not have musical worship, and it wouldn't be going against the scriptures. But yet we have these expectations of church, and so how do we address these expectations of church, these cultural expectations of maybe even Christians? while also trying to balance the fact that we have people who are now, we are, we are getting to a post-Christian society. It's not normal to just go to church now. And so how do we take people who, who know nothing about the Bible, who know nothing about Scripture, and then here we are talking about all these big words that have all these big meanings, and they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. And so these are the things that we have to wrestle with. Like, how, how do we, as a, as, a, as a church, speak to all these people? And then now, even in our society, how do we get over this hurdle of a lot of people seeing the church as not a good thing? How do we get over this hurdle of people thinking the church is about this, this all this extra stuff, and not about the gospel of what Jesus did, and loving God, loving others? And I think that the church just gets in the way of that sometimes. And the other hard thing about this is I think the pandemic— gave people the excuse that they finally needed to quit church. They've gone through church. They're going through the routine. All right, I'm going to go on Sundays. And now all of a sudden, they get out of that routine. They, they live a, a, a year of life without going to church. And they're like, you know, my life doesn't really look that much different, and I'm not going to church anymore. Why go to church? I've been sold this thing that, like, I go to church, and I'm a good person, and my life gets so much better. And yet... I haven't been in church, and I, I kind of like it. I like sleeping in on Sundays. I, I like not having to get ready. I like not having to get the kids together. And we just, they have an excuse. It's no longer necessary. And I think we have to be honest about that. Like, even us as leaders, like, we talk about this stuff all the time. Like, there's people who don't have the incentive anymore. They don't have that guilt being <laughs> held over their head, like, oh, you better go to church or else you're not a good person. Like, that's gone. Anybody seen the movie uh, A Knight's Tale? It's an old movie. <laughs> I had a couple people. <laughs> I like, yeah, it's, you're excited. I had some friends who loved that movie. Knight's Tale, it's an old, uh, is it 
Heath, Heath Ledger movies. There's a quote in this. Um, the, the bad guy in the movie, he, he looks at Heath Ledger's character and he, he says this. He says, you have been weighed, you have been measured, and you have been found wanting. And I can't help but think about that even for the church. We've been weighed, we've been measured, we've been found wanting. And I'm not talking about the gospel of Jesus to be found wanting. I'm saying like this institutional church has been found wanting. There's something more that has to happen. And we have to realize there's a lot of people out there who looks at the church and they're like, nope. And it's not for good reasons. Like there's people who are like, well, it's because we're sticking up for, for Jesus. No. There may be some of that going on, but the majority of it is not that. So we ask, what do we think of when we think of church? I'll ask you another question. What do you think of when somebody says to describe a Christian? If you were going to describe a Christian, how would you describe a Christian? What are the words that come to mind? So I found a study. Uh, this is by the Barna Group, and they do a lot of studies within church and church culture. And the study was this. Which word would you use to describe an evangelical Christian? That was the that was the premise for this study. And they had different words, and they went to Christians, non-Christians, evangelical Christians, professing Christians, whatever it may be. And they asked, what words describe a Christian? And so I'm going to work through this a little bit. So the first word was caring. The word caring. If you were a Christian or like an evangelical Christian, more than 60% of them considered themselves caring. They would say, we're, we're caring, or Christians are caring. When you ask a non-Christian, how many, how many, what's the percentage of non-Christians that considered a Christian caring? Less than 10%. Less than 10% of non-Christians view Christians as caring. But more than 60% of Christians viewed Christians as caring. The next one, hopeful. Do, you view, do, do Christians view themselves as hopeful? Again, just under 60% of Christians said, we're hopeful. That, that would describe us. That word describes us. A little less than 60%. Non-Christians. About 6 to 8% of non-Christians would view Christians as hopeful. Okay. Next, generous. A little more than 50% of Christians would view Christians as, as generous. Non-Christians. Between 6 and 8% would view Christians as generous. seeing a theme here. We, we view ourselves a certain way, yet the people that we're supposed to be caring for and loving don't see us that way. I like these. Uptight. Only 2% of Christians viewed themselves <laughs> as uptight. And now, surprisingly, the non-Christians, I thought it would be higher, but it's still, it's, it's definitely a change. But uh, over 20% of non-Christians would view Christians as uptight. Again, we see this drastic change, right? The Christians, oh, I'm not uptight. Now again, you say, well, that's because you guys do really bad things, and I don't do bad things, and so you can call me uptight because, okay, I don't know all the reasons why they voted the way they did. What about this one? Homophobic. Only 1% of Christians viewed themselves as homophobic. Over 30% of non-Christians viewed Christians as homophobic. There's already a lot of divisiveness in this world. We talk about that a lot. 
And the message of Christ isn't supposed to be this, like, thing that we bash over people's heads and make this, like, really, really hard thing. And I know some of us may feel a tension. There may be a tension in here, like, well, they feel like we're uptight because we're holding on to truth, or they feel like this because we're holding on to good things. And there, there's a tension there. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There, there's some tensions there. It's like, what is, we, we want boundaries, right? But when we see Jesus' interaction with people, he, he didn't really focus on the rules. I mean, if anything, and we'll read, I've got some scripture later that we'll, we'll get into. He, he pushed the people's understandings of these rules. And so it was the religious that were uncomfortable. And so what do we do with that? Like, I'm here, I'm, I'm just as uncomfortable as you are. Or maybe you're not uncomfortable. Maybe you're like, hey, finally we're talking about this. We need to talk about this. Uh, but there may be some of you who are like, this is, this is hard. I don't know what to do with this because I want to do the right thing. I want to do the right thing. But the difficulty of our faith is not in the rules. The difficulty of our faith is the fact that we have to rely on somebody other than ourselves. That's the gospel. 1 Corinthians 1, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved is the power of God. The message of the cross is foolishness because it's relying on, why would you rely on God? But for those of us who are being rescued, for those of us who understand our need, it is everything. And yet we have nothing to boast about because it was nothing that we could have done. It's nothing that we do. I love in the video, Sierra mentioned this, and I, I, I'm kind of making it in my own words. But the first slide is this. He said something like this. He said, we must find a way to transcend the polarization of our society. Again, he didn't say it exactly like that, but alluded to this. Like, there is a polarization going on in our society. And he's talking about we have to transcend that. We like to hold on to the things that make us comfortable. We like to hold on to our, you know, political views. We like to hold on to these things. And at the end of the day, like, that's, that's not what it's about. And you can say, well, this, this structure is, goes against the word of God. Yeah, a, a lot of man-made structures goes against the word of God. But I ask this, how do we transcend that? How do we get above this division? Because again, when you ask people about Christians in the church, we're, we're just as much a part of that division. So what do we do about that? So one of the first verses I want to read today is in Matthew chapter 20. And this was a verse that just came to mind for me, and so I'd like to read it together. Verses 25 through 28 says, Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. He said, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. How many of us would say that our first tendency in life is to serve other people? That's weird, right? Like, this verse, this is very weird. Why would I serve? Why would I humble myself? Why would I do this for other people? That's weird. That's not normal. When was the last time you, you did something really nice for your neighbor, and they came back and said you're a really hateful person? Like, you're like, 
hey, you go to your neighbor, I've got an extra Blue Jackets ticket, hey, just have it on me. You hateful person, how dare you? No, they don't do that. Like, when was the last time you served somebody and they got mad at you? I used to help with a, a food pantry, and there'd be people, and we, we forced them to listen to a message before they got their food. And so they'd get their food. But then after the service, they'd come, they'd get your food. And they weren't like, how dare you make me listen to that message to get this free food? They were thankful. Hey, they were, they were very grateful. Thank you for feeding us. Thank you for doing this. How are we serving the people around us? When we read the Bible, Jesus' actions separated him from the religious people. It's almost like we could say he transcended both the religious system and the political system. In this Matthew verse, he's talking about this political system, right? The rulers of the Gentile, they lord it over them. And that this religious system, they do the same thing. They take this law and they hold it over their heads. Do the right thing or else you're bad. Why do you think the religious got so mad at them? The religious were convinced, I say the religious leaders, they were convinced that Jesus' ministry was not from God. And I think this is a scary thing. Like, if I'm, if I'm being honest, this is a scary thing. Because technically speaking, you would say, I'm a religious leader. And I'm like, how, how am I acting like a Pharisee? Am I acting like a Pharisee? How am I holding these rules and, and making them a, a hindrance to people? How am I making it hard for people? I mean, it, it really does burden me. I want to do the right thing. I think most of us, if we're honest, like, we're like, we don't want to do the wrong thing or the bad thing. That's not like in our, this is, this is not where we go. We want to do the right thing. I mean, some of you guys are more rule followers than others. I've joked, like, my wife, very much a rule follower. If you tell her to do something, she'll do it. Me, I'm like, okay, how can I make this work for me? And, you know, it's like, oh, that doesn't make sense, so we're going to do it this way. But at the end of the day, I still want to do right. I want to follow Jesus. I want to honor God with my life. I want him to, to look and see the life that I'm living and say, well done, good and faithful servant. I, I want to do right. But on the other hand, these religious leaders were so worried about this right and following this law that they missed the bigger point of what was going on. And this is the uncomfortable thing. We like boundaries. We all like boundaries. I want to know what I'm allowed to do and what I'm not allowed to do. How much can I drink before it's wrong? Right? Can I have that other drink? Is tipsy okay? Because it's not drunk. If, if weed is legalized, is it really bad? I mean, I'm not the only one thinking of these questions. Again, it's like we act like we don't think about these things. Everyone's talking, like, this is society. But that's what we do. We think about what's the boundary? How far can I go before I'm, I'm wrong or I'm bad? And we want these boundaries. And Jesus is like, you're missing the bigger point. I want to read a passage in Matthew that shows some of the heart of this. This is Matthew 12, 1 through 7. It says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. 
Now, if you know Sabbath, you you weren't supposed to do and you could not be doing this on Sabbath. You were supposed to be resting on Sabbath. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. You're doing it wrong. He answered, haven't you read what David did when he, is him, he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read in the law that the priests on Sabbath duty in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent. Okay, so Jesus is saying he doesn't care about the law. How do we know what's right and wrong? If, if she's saying that that's okay, well, how do I know? How do I know what the boundary is? Am I allowed to eat the consecrated bread? Am I allowed to do something on the Sabbath? I love it. The, the verse that he references, the, do you, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So this is a reference from Old Testament scripture. In Hosea 6, verses 6, he says, for I desire sacrifice, not Sorry, let me say that again. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. This is what I love. So many times in Scripture we see Jesus doing this. He will take Old Testament Scripture that these religious people are very familiar with. These Pharisees would have known these Scriptures. It's, it's kind of like, well, didn't you know? You know this. But yet you're missing the point. It's like throwing in his face. Well, you know that. You, you, you know this verse. You would know this. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. But yet they were missing the point. The point was not about sacrifice. The point was about acknowledgement of God. Think about it this way. I shared this with the group, uh, our group earlier before service. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on my way home from church. I'm going to go buy some flowers and some chocolates for my wife. And I'm going to go home and I'm going to give them to them give them to her. And she's going to be like, oh, thank you so much. And I'm going to say, I'm supposed to do it. Every, every wife or spouse in the room is like, I ain't eating those chocolates. You can throw those flowers away. <laughs> I did the right thing. I'm loving my wife. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Right? But yet that's how we treat God. I'm doing the right thing. I didn't do that. I'm supposed to do that. I'm not supposed to do that. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Right? I'm good. We're good. But yet anybody you love, if you, if you love them because that's the law, the, 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 you know, the unspoken laws of relationships... I can see it now, like a book, Ten Laws of Loving Your Wife or Spouse, right? Well, I'm going through, I'm going through the ten. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Why don't you feel loved? And yet that's, that's, how we, that's how we go with our faith in loving Jesus. It's like, well, okay, well, thou shalt not um, do that. Okay, I'm not, all right, I'm not going to do that. And Jesus is like, focus on me. Where is your heart? 
I have a point today, and it's this. It's, it's people are longing for something real. And you may be like, okay, what's the connection here? People are longing for something real. Too many times in the church, we have just made it about following these laws instead of pointing people to a relationship with Jesus Christ. Instead of coming to a point where you recognize the fact that I can't do it on my own. I can't. And the church has said, you know, do what we say, not what we do, right? So much as, you know, you've got to do this, do the right thing. And now we don't do the right thing all the time, but do the right thing. And people are calling it out. It's not real. I, I read an article this week, heartbreaking. Some of you may have seen it. An article about the Catholic Church in France. It's like 300,000 cases of sexual abuse since like the 50s or something like that. That's awful. This is what, the pe- this is what people are seeing of the church. 300,000. And yet we're going to sit there and say, well, your lifestyle's not good. And yeah, you, you did some wrong things. And, and I'm not saying every church is doing that. But I'm saying the general population, the general public, this is the representation of Christ that they are seeing. This, this is the hurdle that we have. As a church, in America, 2021, they're wanting something real, and they're seeing a lot of hypocrisy. They're seeing a lot of just, I want to say say something I shouldn't. They're seeing a lot of crap. There's just a lot of crap. And how are we doing, what are we doing about this? And again, I, some of you may be in here and you're just uncomfortable or you're like, this is ridiculous. Why are we talking like this? And, but I think at the end of the day, people want something real. They're feeling the hardships of this life. They're feeling the difficulties. They're seeing all these things. And the church is like, follow Jesus. But then everything else they're doing is showing something totally different than that. The Pharisees burdened people with their legal obligations. Passions that we read, we see that. They, they, they're so worried about doing that right thing. When Jesus is saying, you're missing the, the point of Sabbath. I am your true rest. The Sabbath was meant for rest, not to, to say you couldn't do anything. It was meant for rest. It's for your good. If we look at Christianity in just like a broad, a, a broad view, it starts with, uh, I'll tell you, like a Jewish messianic movement, I'll call it. All right, we have this, these Jewish people. They have a covenant with Christ, with Jesus, with God. Sheesh. Abraham had a covenant with God, and through the Jewish people, they would find a Messiah, right? There's a Messiah that's going to come from these people. And so it started with this. And in the Old Testament, we see that the Jewish people, they were set apart by uh, practices commanded to them. If you look in the first five books of the Bible, it's called the Torah, by the way. First five books, a little Bible knowledge for you. It's called the Torah, and you see a lot of rules. And these were these commandments to these people to set them apart, to set them apart from what was going on, to, to live a standard higher than the people around them. And so the Jewish people, like, this is part of their history, doing these things, doing these laws, keeping to these laws. 
And then we see in Acts how this changes, that it's not just the Jewish people, it's for everybody. Uh, the apostle Peter gets a vision, and in his vision he's told, you know, this is now for the Gentiles, and you're to go out and you're to say, this is for the Gentiles too. This, this, this gospel, this Messiah gospel, this Jesus gospel where you're saved through faith in him, this is for everybody, not just you. And, and so Peter is the one who starts this, going to the Gentiles. But the Jewish people had a little hiccup. They thought that all the non-Jewish people, and for them to be truly part of God's family, had to obey all the laws of the Torah. You have to obey all of these laws, you non-Jewish people. And so one of the big ones was circumcision. How awkward would that be today, right? Instead of getting like a COVID, you know, instead of showing a vaccine card, it's like, do you have a, a, a circumcision card, please? <laughs> I love doing stuff to make people uncomfortable. But how, how crazy would that be, right? Oh, well, you're, you're not circumcised, so obviously you can't be a Christian. You can't, you can't be here. You can't do this right. You've got to follow all these laws that, that we were told to set us apart, and now, you know, Christ has fulfilled those. But yet all the Jewish people, that, that was their culture. They, they wanted to keep pushing their, their ways on these people. And you see in Galatians 2, it's really interesting. Peter actually gets called out by Paul. In the verse it says, he, Paul says, I opposed him to his face. Paul calls out Peter because of something very similar to this. Peter had been spending time with the Gentiles, Christian Gentiles, eating with them, living life together. But when some of the Jewish people arrived, he stopped doing that. He began to draw back and separate himself from, from the Gentiles because he was afraid of, of those. It, it literally in scripture says he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision, circumcision group. He was afraid of these, these people, these Jewish people coming in with their, some of their rules and traditions. And he was like, oh, I can't eat like this anymore. I can't eat with these Gentiles, even though they're Christians. And what's, what's the problem is in Scripture says the Jews joined him in, in his hypocrisy. So that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Peter was leading other Christians astray because he was treating the non-Jewish Christians differently. Saying, you have to keep to our, our rules. You have to keep to our standards. But here's the thing. People are not justified by works of the law. This justify, that may be a big word for some of us. What does justified mean? Justified means declared righteous. We are not declared righteous by what we do, by the works of the law. We are only declared righteous by faith in Jesus. So here's the deal. How are we going to be a weird church? All right, we're doing this weird church thing. What does all of this mean? I think it starts with loving people around us. It sounds so cliche, right? How do we love people around us? Not those who agree with every decision we make. Not those who, who think exactly the same. Loving somebody doesn't require you to think exactly the same as them. We can, you can hold personal standards. If you have a conviction, submit that to God. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm not saying living a life unto God is bad. I'm not saying that's bad at all. That's what scripture's there for. It's there to be a reference for us to say, how do we actually love Jesus? If we believe in this, how do we love Jesus? And yes, there, there are some things in here that you're going to act differently. I'm not dismissing that one bit. 
it does talk about sacrifice in the Bible. It does talk about all these things. That's fine. But how are you doing it out of obligation? Are you doing it because I'm going to be, you know, feel guilty and the religious leaders are going to make me feel bad if I do this? Or are you doing it because you love God? Jesus went to those in need. He went to the outcasts. He went to the lowly. He went to the people who nobody wanted to be with. Is that a definition of Christians? Is that a definition of our church? We have to get out of the building. We have to get into our community. We have to get into the lives of people around us. And the first, att- the first thing we say to them shouldn't be, oh, well, you drink too much. You need to stop that. Or you do this. You need to stop that. The first thing should be, hey, there's this Jesus guy, and he sacrificed his life because he loves you. And I'm going to walk beside you, and we're going we're gonna to figure this out together. And there's going to be times where I screw up. There's going to be times where you screw up. And that's just what it is. We've got to get out of the building. We've got to get to the people. It's funny. We're, we're literally going out of the building next week, going to Noctera Brewing Company, celebrate our one-year anniversary. I'm super excited. What's funny to me is I get a lot of people that are like, you're doing it at a brewery? Our church is allowed to do that? Like, why is that so like it surprises me that that's such an extreme thing like they think this establishment it's like oh there's all this debauchery going on over there and people are just getting drunk and there's prostitutes it's like no like if you go over there there's guys just like working and having a beer like it's not a big deal but again we like to think about this law well it says don't be drunk yeah drunkenness is not good I'll say that. It's not good. That is a bad lifestyle. But are you doing it because it's a law, or are you doing it because I want my life to be a representation of Christ? And in my life being a representation of Christ, I'm going to do what honors him. And there's times where I'm going to do things that don't honor him, and that's part of the journey. So here's the thing. Here's my final slide. Band, you guys can come up. Church is weird when you focus on loving God and neighbor. It is, because that's not what the church has done, fully. Again, I'm not just saying all church is bad and nobody's done it right and we're, you know, we're right now. No, we're going to fall short. We're going to screw up. But when this, is, when this is the first point we go to, we're on the right track. Because when the Pharisees ask, you know, what, how do you sum up the law? This is how you sum up the law. You love God and you love others. I want us to love the people around us. That doesn't mean I have to agree with their, all their political ideas. That doesn't mean I have to agree with everything that they do in their spare time. But that doesn't mean I have to tell them that. 